May I ask you, what's your aim in life? Have you even got an aim? Or perhaps you have quite a few. But here on Search for Truth, today Brian looks into the Bible to explore God's plan for disciples. If we're true disciples, it means we've surrendered our will to Christ to let his spirit live in us and motivate us. It would be extremely useful to know what God wants us to do with our life. So I'm delighted you've joined us. And as we listen, if a question crops up, then do write in to sft at churchesofgod.info and discuss it with Brian. But here's Brian now to explore God's plan for disciples. Thanks, John. May I ask, have you ever failed to make something properly because you didn't follow the instructions that you were given? One company that sells self-build homemade furniture provides a flat box that contains all the pieces of wood and fabric together with bolts and a tool, maybe a spanner. The instructions say, if you need to use a saw or a hammer, then you're doing it wrong. It's ready-made to fit together easily, but only if the instructions are followed exactly. God in heaven, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, wants us, with his help, to build a house for him so that he can live with us on earth. He's always wanted this, but today it's no longer a material house, as it was back in the time of Moses with the tabernacle, or Solomon with the temple, but it's a spiritual house where true believers are the living stones, 1 Peter 2 verse 5, who offer praise to God that's described as being the offering up of spiritual sacrifices. By obeying the instructions of the apostles' teaching in the New Testament, these faithful believers come together in local churches of God. We're intended by the Lord to do the same as those believers in the first century, because God never changes his mind and we for sure can't improve upon it. Taken all together, these churches, all with the same teaching and practice, fit together like the pieces in the furniture kit to form God's house today as the spiritual temple where he lives. Ephesians 2 verse 22. Imagine if you left a building contractor with a set of plans to build you a house while you went off on a vacation. When you get back, at first, you're glad to see that he's finished the work, but then you begin to look more closely and you begin to see how different it is from the building plan you gave him when you left. You start to complain. Why is the kitchen on this side of the house and not over on the other side at the rear where I showed you? Oh, he says, I had a better idea. I assumed you would agree. Chances are you'd say, well, you've built a house, certainly but it's not my house the way I asked for it, so I'm no longer going to buy it. And you'd be justified in saying that, and in walking away, still holding your money. It gets far more important than that when we start talking about God's house. Do you want to know why there are 40,000 different Christian denominations? It's because people make their own changes to the maker's original instructions, or else... They specialise in only a part of the whole design. And where do we find God's plan? The instruction manual for Christian discipleship is found written down in the Bible. 
Listen to the verses that we'll read in a moment. They're from the book of Acts, chapter 2. This book, following on from the Gospels, is the history book of the New Testament churches. It describes how the very first Christians served God. But it's much more than that, because it not only tells us how they did church, but how we're also supposed to do church. How can we be sure about that? Well, we need to step back and take a look at the whole of the Bible. If we observe striking features surrounding the tabernacle construction and operation in the time of Moses, and then see the same striking features in the New Testament gatherings of disciples, don't you agree that we'd be justified in concluding that we'd discovered the way that God desires his spiritual house on earth to be built, even now? But it's a way that complies with his progressively revealed and planned design. In both Old and New Testaments, we read about God's people being redeemed, baptised, and afterwards obedient to the teaching of his word. That's God's word. The Bible says, make sure you make it, that's your Christian life of discipleship, according to the pattern. For example, Hebrews 8 and verse 5. It's the repetition of features in the Bible that gives them their prescriptive quality. Now, I want you to listen out for seven points in the Bible verses that follow. Here are the points in advance. They are receiving the word, being baptised by immersion in water, being added to church fellowship, devotion to the apostles' teaching, continuing in the fellowship of the churches together, breaking bread to remember the Lord, and participation in the regular church prayer times. Here come the verses now. So then, those who had received his word were baptised, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. The summary of New Testament local church life that's found in the seven points listed there is in agreement with all other biblical texts. These steps were anticipated in the Old Testament. They're performed across the whole breadth of New Testament Christian experience without contradiction. And this uniform practice gets explained in more detail in the Bible letters that follow. Did you know there are actually 5,040 different ways in which you can arrange any seven objects in order? But these seven steps taken by the first Christians must be in just the one arrangement that God endorses in the Bible. But is it important, you ask? Okay, well, let's put it this way. Imagine you go to a restaurant and you order a fillet steak. 30 minutes later, the waiter returns and puts a pizza in front of you, claiming it's the best pizza you'll ever try. What would you do? I'm pretty sure you'd send it back because it wasn't what you ordered, not even close. Well, God gave us his order. I mean, he told us exactly how he wanted to be served through his commandments in the New Testament, known as the Apostles' Teaching. But instead of us delivering exactly what he asked for, we got distracted by thinking about what we want, and by thinking about what others seem to want, and by thinking about what's been done traditionally by the generations before us. Now, perhaps you'd allow me to share the script 
or scriptural pattern with you. I'm going to base it on the letters of the word script, S-C-R-I-P-T, so that it's easy for us to remember. S. That means that in any one town we find there was one single church, regardless of how many companies it comprised. S is for single. C means that the Lord's table was closed to all but baptised and added believers, with addition to one church meaning addition to all. C is for closed. R means that the rule of overseers was recognised in each church. These were acting together in matters affecting the doctrine and practice of all the churches. R is for rulers. Taking I and P together means that the churches were all integrated people, one integrated people, in one interdependent community of churches, and not independent and not dependent. IP is for an integrated people. And finally, T means that the temple or house of God was comprised of all the churches unitedly together in service. T is for temple. One writer tells a modern parable when he says, Suppose I was concerned about people's health. So I rented a building and painted a cool sign with a bunch of happy vegetables on it. I began making drinks by blending kale, carrots, beets and spinach. My customers loved my drinks and came daily. There was just one problem. There aren't enough health fanatics to keep my business afloat. My solution? Whipped cream. Once I topped my drinks with it, more people started coming around. Soon after, I added chocolate syrup and sales grew even more. Once gummy bears and M&Ms were introduced, I started making a fortune. I would still boast that my drinks contained some healthy ingredients, even though I knew my clients were getting fatter and more lethargic. My desire to run a lucrative business at some point had overpowered my original goal of health. At some point in the process, I should have taken down the sign. Prayer, communion, fellowship and Bible reading don't attract large crowds. So we start adding elements that will attract people. We accomplish a goal, but it's the wrong goal. He's got a point, hasn't he? The earliest believers didn't try to do lots of activities, but instead they devoted themselves to just a few. The apostles' motto was prayer and the ministry of the word. The priorities of those very first believers were prayer in Acts 4, the word in Acts 6, witnessing, Acts 3 to 5, having confidence in a God who could do beyond the ordinary and embracing whatever hardship was necessary for God's work to progress. While they gave themselves to these things, Acts chapter 2 and verse 43 tells us everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Can we experience biblical awe? without biblical devotion. But still, you might say, that was then, and this is now. I want to say that it's entirely reasonable to conclude on the authority of God's word that if we do what the first Christians did, we can make the very same claim they made, and that was about being God's house on earth. But of course, if we do something different from them, we've got no biblical reason, far less any authority, to make the same claim. Sometimes it's said that the mark of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and hope to get a different result. For example, suppose you've got the wrong key, 
but you still keep trying to use it in the lock in case it somehow works after many failed attempts. But isn't it entirely rational to do exactly the same as was done 2,000 years ago and expect, yes, claim to get the exact same result? And so finally, here's our takeaway thought. Make sure you make it. Make sure you make your Christian life according to the pattern. I hope you enjoyed today's study and the transcript book of all the talks in this series would be helpful to you to pursue further study. So please let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. Firstly, it's available online and you can obtain one by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book be posted out to you. Just to ask for the title, A Good Place to Begin. And uh, don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Many, many thanks for your company today. And I'd be delighted if you'd join me again next time for our next Bible study. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. We